Check. Mike D. That's my mic check. Cinnamon. 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 It's an Aquatine. Uh, that's an Aquatine Hunger Force um, reference. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Episode nineteen. Nineteen of Pods in the Key of Springfield, Springfield. season two finale. And uh, I don't know, like, insert noises here. Should I add noises or should we just make noises? I don't know what's the... Like, like, do you want me to do, like, a, an air raid siren? Those kind of noises? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the kind of shit you want? Is this, like, a War of the Worlds thing we're doing right now? War of the Worlds? No, yeah. that was the last episode we did, and it was called War of the Simpsons, James. Oh, that's right, that's right. It was the one about the aliens coming down and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. capturing the Simpsons. And they mm. had that book, How to Cook for 40 Humans and Then Eat Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Serok the Preparer. Yes, I yes. slaved in the kitchen for days. <laughs> to pronounce it properly. Uh, no, um, no. Serok the Preparer, MVP of the season. Oh, because we might do a season wrap-up episode. Is he getting your MVP? Is that foreshadowing to our next Eat My Shorts? Well, i got to think a bit more about um where Serok sits sure. in my character ranking, which I don't plan on doing in the next episode, but still. Okay. What do we watch tonight? Nick? You're we- Nick, by the way. I'm James. Oh, I'm Nick, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, we watched... Uh, well, I thought we'd do something different this time. Oh, good. I thought we'd watch two episodes. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you know, normally normally that's not the number that we do. Yeah, but this normally time we I just watch we'd... the Butterfinger commercials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and uh, and the horrible appearance that Nancy does as a live-action part at the award <laughs> show. Um, hey, which... Nick. Nick? Yeah, man. You better not lay a fucking finger on my Butterfinger. Don't you fucking dare. I swear to God, if you lay another fucking finger on my Butterfinger... I don't know if we've watched the same Bart Simpson <laughs> Butterfingers commercial. Yours seems to be a lot more violent than the one I recall. Yeah, but yours had more swearing. Oh, well, I mean, my DVD's skipping all over the place. We'll get to that. So, uh, no, tonight we watched season two episode... I've written it as episode one. I'm wrong. It's episode <laughs> 21. Fuck. Season two, episode 21. Three men, a comic book, a pizza place, two guys, a girl, and a baby. Two and a half comic books. Two and a half and comic a books. Yep. Uh, and then we watched season two, episode 22, Blood Family Feud of Fortune. Yeah, Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> so, three men in a comic book and b- 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 blood feud. And a pizza place and a baby. Yes. The Simpsons. Look who's talking now. <laughs> Look who's talking now, too. Honey, I shrunk the three men in a pizza place and two guys, a girl, and a comic book. Beethoven's third. So, three men in a comic book. I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode started when uh, we were eating the curry that uh, I made for dinner. Yes. Uh, and so consequently, I've got 
no notes from the first third of this episode, and then the DVD skipped so severely that we've basically missed the second two thirds of the episode. So, oh well, no, no, we missed like it's only about four minutes. I'm a little light on for notes, is what I'm saying. And I actually made quite a few notes about the bit that skipped because I remember some things. Okay, about a popular television show, The Simpsons. Ah, yes. So this episode opens with Bart. Yes. Bart and Lisa going to what is basically Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, but like shitty Comic-Con. And what was interesting to me about this is them going to a comic convention back when comics were still a relatively niche, nerdy thing mm-hmm. where you don't have, uh, what's his face, Nathan Fillion wandering around saying, hey, hey, it's me, that guy from Firefly. This is not a good impression of what I sound like. You I mean, know. pretty good. I mean, you've you've got me convinced because whenever you say Nathan Fillion, I think Nathan Drake from Uncharted, because <laughs> in my head they're actually the same person, even though one of them's fictional. Yeah. So, so you got um, Nathan Fillion showing up at Comic Con saying, "All right, all right, all right," it's and you me, got, Nathan Fillion, and then you've got you got Nathan Fillion rocking up at the Comic Con, standing on loose platforms, going, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so in this one. There's nobody, there's some guy critiquing, critiquing people's art and declaring it shit, but there's really nobody famous at this comic convention. Yes. The mayor shows up and makes some pithy comment about yeah. bringing $300 in profit, which yeah. is- Yeah, or, uh, mayor. I am, or, uh, the mayor. Mayor. Joe Quimby. <laughs> I, or, uh, uh, Sorry, I really like doing Joe Quimby. Yeah. There's an episode coming up eventually that has a quote that i really like but yeah. i'm gonna we're maybe that. a year away from that at this point yeah but <laughs> so, man i'm looking forward to it so on the way there bart floats the theory that casper the friendly ghost is actually the ghost of richie, richie rich, rich which i suppose makes the entirety of casper the friendly ghost a death dream this theory That's kind of holds up i mean they do look the same yeah in the well i mean Oh, that's something I should have researched. And what, the idea that Richie Rich would uh, what would feel guilty about the effects of late capitalism and take his own life. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, what year did the Macaulay Culkin Richie Rich movie come out? And what year did the Christina Ricci Casper movie come out? Okay. Can we blend those two movies together? I feel like they were both somewhere between 1992 and 1995. Sure. This is uh, very easy to verify, of course, which is why you're pulling your phone out right yep. now. Right now. Richie, because maybe there's actually, maybe we can tie in Bart's theory to the real world. Yep. Richie Rich. You think maybe these movies that would have come out probably after this episode. Yeah. I'd yeah, like yeah. to imagine the producers saw this and said, hang on, oh. hang on. Yeah. Richie Rich was 1994. Yep. Casper was 1995. So you think Richie died in between? Richie died. Have after. you seen that movie? Richie Rich. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Richie Rich and Casper. Because Richie comes very close to death many times. Many in that times. Movie. And yeah. one of those times he died, and then they went on to film Casper. Casper featuring my first ever celebrity crush. When Casper first came out, I was a big fan of Christina Ricci. Okay, okay. Well, that's good then. Uh, how old were you back then? You were like. Oh, uh, in 1995. Yep. I was nine. Nine? I don't remember who my first celebrity crush was. I feel like I just didn't have one. I feel like, you know, I would watch movies and think, well, these people don't exist within my world, so who cares? Sure. Which is now the exact opposite of how I feel and exactly how you feel. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting little swapsy that we did somewhere along the line. 
But um, no, I think Bart's This theory- might be that time we were both peeing in that fountain and lightning struck. Uh, yeah. We crossed the streams in our... I tried to piss. make... A, uh, yeah. In our piss. In our- yes. Okay. It was yeah. a piss Sorry, cross. I tried, I tried to make a clever... It was a piss cross lightning situation. Oh, have you ever played um, Picross, <laughs> Piss Cross 3D? <laughs> I have, actually. It's Mar- really good. Mario Piss Cross. Yeah, it's pretty good. I played Picross. Yeah, good, good boy. <laughs> Little plug for Picross 3D Round 2 on 3D. Yeah, it's a very good game. Very good game. Yeah. I've never uh, played it. So, Bart goes to this comic convention as Bartman. Yes. Which is interesting because- From uh, the song. My understanding is that everybody, if they can, should do the Bartman. Shake their body, turn it out if they can, can. And Bart here, he's dressed up as Bartman. This is our introduction to Bartman, who, of course, becomes the predominant figure in the show going forward, as I recall. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yes, so a lot of good stuff in this one. In this episode that posits that comics are niche bullshit that will never become popular. Yep. Good stuff. So what is this episode about? It's about Radioactive Man. Man made of radioactivity. You look at your notes and realizing you have nothing. Yes, correct. There's a scene very early on where Buddy Hodges, the man who originally played Fallout Boy, okay, walks onto a stage and does a little, a little talk that I fucking love. Yes, his, his little question and answer session. Yeah, the uh, the whole thing about Dirk Richter, I think his name was, the original actor who played Radioactive Man, mm-hmm. haunting the bordello where his bullet-ridden body was found. Yes. I think about this all the time. Oh, really? Would <laughs> you say I this just... is a s- 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 Simpsons ruined How the Simpsns ruined your life? Would I say it's a s- 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 Simpsons How the Simpsons ruined my life? <laughs> yes, I believe that's the correct title. Don't think that's what I'd say. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> but um, all of this leads up to Bart wanting to buy a $100 comic book. Yes. And... Going off and getting work and working and having having a bunch of japes. Thing is, this episode, whenever we sort of think of this episode, I think we think of it as the episode where three kids buy a comic book and then have trouble sharing it. Sure. That doesn't happen until like 14 minutes into the episode. Yeah, interesting. This episode is largely about Bart coming to terms with the workforce and the uh, becoming part of the same capitalistic system. That eventually led to Richie Rich committing suicide. Ooh. <laughs> it's very much about the, the effects of capitalism ah. on children and the, the drive to be a part of a system that is corrupt and broken. This is another example of The Simpsons writers doing foreshadowing that I had never picked up on before. Because <laughs> isn't there a lot, like, when Bart comes back from his first day of working for Mr. Glick, um, for, for Mrs. Glick, yep. Marge says something about how was your day, and he says, oh, how was your day, have you earned any money yet, or something like that. And he says, no, but at least I'm in constant pain. Yeah, at or, least I'm in a lot of pain, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. As um, we all are, at all times. At all times. Yeah. Um, at, Partly because of uh, the capitalist society we're in, and partly because we're just getting old. Mm. If I told you that, that that's a thing that I do now, like I wake up and if I've got a sore foot when I wake up, I go, is that permanent? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really depressing. Sometimes I wake up with my right knee sore and then I walk down the stairs and I'm like, this, this sucks. Yeah. This is just how life is going to be from now on. Mm. It's just going to get much, much worse. Mm. Like forever. Mm. And while there probably are things I could very easily do about it, I'm probably not going to do them because that's how life is. Yeah. You know, I went to the park the other day and hurt my eye. Mind you, it was an appropriate place for a seesaw. 
You said knee-saw. <laughs> and then that made me think I can do a seesaw joke. Ah, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> so you, I saw you line up and I just knew it wouldn't be good. <laughs> you, <laughs> just, you saw me When getting, you said, yeah, I hurt my eye, I'm like, this is not... <laughs> you saw me getting ready to swing. Um, interesting theory here about Mrs. Glick. Sure. So she refers to her husband, Asa, who died in the war... Yep. Is it her husband or brother? Oh, sorry, her brother. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Sorry, her, her brother, Asa, who died in the war. Um, and then we go on to see a little flashback through the photo, quite a nice little device, Yep. of, of him in the war. Holding the grenade for too long. Yep, doing his impassioned speech. Yep. Um, but then in a later episode, the Flying Hellfish episode, uh, when uh, Grandpa Simpson's telling us all about the Tontine, yes. um, isn't Asa still alive at that point? Asa Phelps is the seventh hellfish. Asa Phelps, the seventh hellfish. He died. The death of Asa Phelps is the uh, the thing that starts off the whole plotline of that episode. It's, yeah, it's it's the trigger that starts the whole episode. So yeah. he's well. How many aces were there that had a connection to Springfield in the war? Mm. Asa is not a very common name. I wouldn't have thought. Mm. So you know what Asa is though? What a palindrome. Oh, it's the same forwards and backwards. Much like the very omelette universe you've oh, been positing. Sorry, I thought it's you were like gonna... the reverse the reverse reflection. Yes. 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 For a moment I thought you were going to go back to uh Mem Saim Bart Rabbi Rabbi has memo. I was gonna go back to Mem Saim Bart or Rabbi has memo. Yes. Um Mem Saim Bart Rabbi has memo. What the fuck is this kid on about? He's talking palindromes. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, don't worry about him. He's talking um, palindromes. That kid sucks. That kid sucks. But so no, explain your omelet theory so because my omelet theory we could have anyone, new listeners. Hello, new listeners. Hello, new listeners. For anyone that hasn't kept up with my omelet theory, Nims I am new listeners. <laughs> Rabbi yeah, has they memo. Memo, new listeners. Uh, my theory is that uh, time is, as we know, a flat circle. Sure. I choose to picture that flat circle as being. An omelet, and yep. what I have seen over the course of uh, uh, little-known TV show The Simpsons is that there are instances where the timelines have been crossed, and so I say that this is where you flip the omelet over onto itself, and then little bits of you know runny egg intermingle, and in that intermingling of the egg is where we get uh, the Simpsons split-time universe. Sure. Now, I've gone into detail on these as they've come up in previous things, but there uh, is a um, uh, there's one where uh, young Mr. Burns is the school psychiatrist, I think. Yep. Who then, in a later episode, we I also think that young Mr. Burns is Homer's school counselor. So there's some continuity there from going from psychiatrist to counselor. But then also being as Mr. old Mr. Burns in the same universe. Sure, sure. Uh, there's there's heaps of these along the way. Um, yeah, Doctor Robotnik it, eventually becomes the Eggman, or the other way around. That's another egg flip. Uh, John Lennon is the Eggman. Yeah, Kukukachu. Kukukachu. Yeah. Um, uh, Revolver came out in 1966. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Eleanor Rigby is um, Mrs. Glick. Yeah. She gets by with a little help from her friends, but in she, particular. Yes, yep, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Now you're getting on board with the omelette. Yep. John is dead. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Yes. Yep. Um, 
And where on earth are we going with that? So, in so in the, what what we're seeing in this Simpsons world is that we've got an Asa Phelps brother of Mrs. Glick because we don't know if Mrs. Glick is her. Well, she's a Mrs. So we know she was married. We know she was because, married. Uh, so she has a wedding dress. She has a wedding. And she dress. dyed it black, and it became her morning dress. Morning dress. So her um, everybody loves candy, <laughs> penny whistles, and moon, moon pies. pies. Uh, her maiden name may well have been Phelps, and then her brother died in the war, but also in the egg flip omelette gooey egg time theory, um, uh, Asa went on to live until the start of the Flying Hellfish episode. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting, I think. Filthy, and yet genuinely arousing. I love this character. She's great. She's good. Do you think she goes on to become the crazy cat lady? Because she has at least one cat in this. And that cat is fucking crazy. Mental. Mm. And she has a kind of similar design, similar mm. color dress to the crazy cat lady. Definitely seems like uh, is there another, her is there regression a- could lead. Although, I don't know, like the character design is different enough that maybe this is her sister. Maybe they're related. Maybe oh, we'll find out eventually that uh, interesting. there's some sort of familial connection. <gasps> Do you mean maybe if it's her... No, that doesn't work. What are you going to say? No, I was thinking... Come on, we can make this work. Okay, so her brother Asa died. Sure. And her sister was closer to Asa. And so she was so distraught by her brother's death in the war that she became the crazy cat lady. Huh. That's a a possibility. And yet, profoundly arousing. (laughs) Profoundly arousing. Uh, That's not what she says, is it? Filthy yet genuinely arousing. Well, I think we've got a tagline for our podcast (laughs) after 19 episodes. So, a lot of this episode is Bart working for her. He's eventually given two quarters. And then, by a series of uh, events, he ends up with the comic, with Martin, with Milhouse. Everyone's three favorite characters. Martin Milhouse and Little Barty. Martin Milhouse and Little Barty. All together at last. Finally, that Martin-Bart friendship that is at the core of the series. The Martin-Bart friendship. Yeah. Yep, nice. Finally realize they come together in the treehouse. They bebop, they scat, they jape, and the comic gets destroyed. I don't recall any bebopping. There's a bit of bebopping. Oh, sorry. So uh, Must have been when the DVD skipped. Yeah. We, it did skip quite a lot in this one. Uh, most of the paranoid uh, tomfoolery. It was skipped in this Oh, viewing. yeah, we missed all that kind of candlelit seance style holding hands and staring at each other. Holding hands and staring at each other? Is that anything they do? Doesn't it, doesn't it pan around the three of them? Yeah, but they're eating cookies because Marge, there's this uh, little joke of Marge continually coming up and oh. sort of cutting through the uh, seriousness of the situation unfolding within the treehouse. Does Homer ever check on the boys? Now, this is interesting, because Homer checks in on the boys. He's sitting in a room, watching TV in a beanbag, in a room in the house that does not exist, mm. that the creators freely admit they created just for the purposes of this shot. Mm-hmm. 
which now, is interesting. If I remember, so the, the room he's sitting in has a couch with a window to the side, and the window goes up to the treehouse. Yep. So it seems like a playroom. Uh, yeah, but does it uh, does it have it? I think he's watching TV. He it. is. Yep. Is he? Yeah. Okay. So that means that there are at least three TVs in the Simpson house now. There's the main one in the lounge room. Yep. Then when they watch the boxing fight on Homer's stolen cable connection, they're in the front room. Yeah. Presumably on a second TV. Uh, and then there's the one in the playroom where Homer's watching this. Also, because Bart can climb out of his window to get onto the tree that the treehouse is in, mm. this playroom must be under Bart's bedroom, I guess, if we're looking yeah, at the ge- geography of the house. Yep. Yeah, Which um, is traditionally where the dining room would be, I believe. Or yeah, I think so too. Possibly the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's almost like... Uh, they made up this room. It's almost as if the Simpsons house is some sort of uh, nexus point where mischief happens and unfurls. Mm. Something is going on here. Maybe some sort of mysterious force is controlling. I don't know. There's something going on here. Who would you maybe... Who would I think might be... Oh, hang on. How about this? Yep. How about the lightning? So, what they think is a normal thunder and lightning storm is mm. actually a Colossus event. A so Colossus event. He, he's had some. He's working on some kind of machine to control people's minds. or Some to, Frankensteinian creation, maybe? To bend the universe. Sure. Something. Yeah. And... Uh, the lightning is actually the machine exploding and breaking down, ripping through the very atoms of space and time. Mm. So that room was not, as you say, created by the showrunners specifically for this one scene. It is, in fact, the lounge room, but Colossus's machine breaking down has, like a Rubik's Cube, twisted one axis of the house so that the lounge room window now looks out to the uh, tree. Huh. So, in this episode, we have a deep exploration of the impact of late capitalism on the youth of the early 90s. We have the ramifications of the experiments of the nefarious Dr. Colossus on how time and space work within Springfield. We have the uh, the (laughs) omelette egg flip theory and its uh, twisting of time. We have the birth of the atomic bomb and its impact on mankind and the uh, the way traditional narrative forms maybe have uh, subverted this to portray nuclear nuclear power as a source of good and energy and okay, radioactive yeah. man. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's some sort of, you know, he gets hit by an A-bomb, he turns into a superhero. This is very much... Uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to dig into there. Twin Peaks, episode eight. Do you think Radioactive Man is the story of the coming of age of America? The coming age of America? The coming of age of America. After the atomic bomb at the end of World War II, America rose to global dominance? I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And that is the deepest that I will ever engage with any content. Uh, so, the comic... In this issue, I read some comics sometimes. It might surprise the listeners to find out that I, James, your beloved host, the cool jock you've gotten to know over the weeks, months, maybe years, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, 
it might surprise you to know that I am, in fact, a bit of a nerd. What? I know this is shocking to you, Nick. Get the fuck out of my house. I'm, a fr- I'm sorry that I didn't tell you this earlier, but I have read a few comic books. To think I fed you curry. Yeah. Well, I prepared it for you. You, you fed it to yourself. <laughs> I didn't sit next to you. Yeah, on you that didn't t- offer it to me. I just I, went and took it. I didn't sit next to you on that two-seater couch and spoon it into your face. <laughs> that would have been weird. That would have been an invasion of your space. <laughs> yeah. And it's even weirder now that you've uh, raised it as a possible thing that could have happened. Okay. Well, what were you going to tell us about comics? I just feel like the comic book in this, I don't know, what do you think the implication is for how old Radioactive Man is? How long has Radioactive Man existed? Oh, how- oh, huh. Because the style of the comic book was very image heavy, it's like a lot of, uh, telling a lot of the story through the images, and fairly clean images, there's not really a lot of text going on. Sure. Which is very uncommon- for what we would think of as the golden or even silver age of comics that would be incredibly text-heavy. That's interesting. It's very unusual to have a comic from the period of time that I think this issue is meant to have been released that would look the way this one does. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So so you're saying, well, I mean, I don't know. The implication is that it should have been around the 50s? Yeah, maybe. Is that the gold and silver age? Well, Superman was 38 or 39. Batman was 40, I'm thinking. is uh, Kurt Cobain was 27. Sure, yeah. Amy Winehouse was 27. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm 29, you're 30. It's all yeah. happening. It's yeah, uh, yeah. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Revolver was released in 1966. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that becoming a running joke? It's a good album. It's yeah, a very true. good album. True, true, true. Let's not sing any of it. We can't afford the rights. No. All the rights. Three men. One comic book. Doesn't work. No. Really wish we'd made more notes on this episode. Yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) Um, Well, one thing I did have is that Bart says at some point, something, something really ticks me off. And I was like, man, I haven't heard the phrase (laughs) ticks me off in a long time. Um, Related, interestingly, to bombs. Hmm. Uh, anyway, season two, episode twenty-two, Blood Fjord. the season finale, the of season cult television finale, entertainment program, The Simpsons, The Simpsons. So this is the one where uh, Mr. Burns needs a blood transfusion. Needs some blood, um, as we all do, and he gets a blood transfusion from Bart because Mr. Burns has type. Oh, double O negative. Double O negative, yep. Yep, the so first draft a, of the code name for James Bond. But he, he gets a blood transfusion from the very boy he hit with a car a few weeks earlier. Oh, in Bort gets hurt by a court. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And uh, Bert gets hurt by Kurt, yes. Yep. Uh, so, first question, do you know your blood type? No. No, neither do I. <laughs> Is that something we're supposed to know as people that are 29 and 30 years old? I mean, possibly. It. I guess it just means that if I'm ever in a serious accident... Someone at the hospital? No. No. Well, I imagine. Is this on our permanent record? See, I imagine that someone else can figure that out for me. (laughs) And also, if I'm in. You know what happens? The doctor just dips their finger in and licks him like type A. (laughs) (laughs) Or you get a very fancy doctor that swirls it around in a wine glass, takes a sip, and says, "Mm, 1966. Still warm. He's alive. Speaking of 1966. Um. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, because I've, I've noticed that in the age of smartphones and stuff like that, I have become pretty good at compartmentalizing things into information I need to hang on to, sure. and, ah, fuck, I can look that up if I need to. Yeah. 
Um, and turns out I've been doing that for many years prior to smartphones because I've always thought blood type, meh, someone else could figure that out. Because also, I imagine at the point where I'm going to need an urgent blood transfusion, I'm probably yep. not in the state to talk to anyone anyway. <laughs> and so well, unless I've got it tattooed on my face. See, this episode posits that the way you find out what your blood type is is that you ask your mum. And I think that might actually be right. I would say, like, sorry, I had the the, the podcast content creator part of my brain yep. said, oh, I should text mum and find out. But that will send her <laughs> into such a concern. Yeah. <laughs> a message. Hey, mum, no reason to panic, but uh, I need to know my blood type uh, right now. <laughs> preferably in the next 15 or 20 minutes. That's <laughs> ah, not going to get it. It is an urgent matter. Urgent matter. Is that going to become a recurring segment? <laughs> Urgent matters. <laughs> Urgent matters. <laughs> so my first note for this episode just says, uh, this ep fucking rules. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed this episode yeah, a right. great deal. A great deal. Thought it was consistently funny. Very well done. A lot of stuff I really like about this episode. Yeah, right. You reckon the show might catch on? I think it might. I think the fact that it's about uh, Mr. Burns, who, in my view, is the seventh Simpson. The Sixth Simpson, of course, being the town of Springfield. See, that's interesting, because I always thought that the other main lead in this character, Bart Simpson, I also have always considered him to be one of the Simpsons. Yeah, he's up there. He's yeah, one he's of the, there. um. I think if you were to list a top five Simpsons, sure. he'd be in there. Yeah. So, Mr. Burns, the Seventh Simpson, needs blood. Uh, little Bart, who is also one of them, gives him some blood. Yeah. And then he's good. That's it. That's the episode. End of story. Yeah. So, this is a very good Mr. Burns episode, I think. I think we start to get a a good sense of who Mr. Burns is going to be for the rest of the series, where they keep sort of evolving the character and finding fun ways to use him. The whole old-timiness of the character really yeah. comes down in this one. Yes. When he's talking about uh, Smithers says that he needs a doctor, and he says no sawbones is going to apply their leeches to me. Yes. I was thinking in this episode, Harry Shear plays Mr. Burns and Smithers. Yeah. And he's giving a fucking tour de force performance in this episode. He I really is doing quite a bit, isn't he? Really noticing how much he's bringing out in each of these characters. And one thing that I'm thinking about while watching this episode, at this point in the show, have they decided yet that Smithers is in love with Mr. Burns or is he just a very dedicated assistant? Uh, I don't know, because in... We also see a bit of their relationship in Brush with Greatness. Yeah. Um, and in that one, it just seems like very dedicated assistant. Yeah. I think it's still- Because he sees him naked, but there's nothing sexual about it. He asks yeah. if he wants to leave the room. In this one, he starts to break down about, you know, you can't organize a beating mm. in his home because you saved Mr. Burns' life and he's yep. clearly going through a very traumatic thing mm. to do that. So, I mean, maybe... Well, at this point, they make it very clear that Smithers loves Mr. Burns, but I don't think they make it seem like a romantic, a romantic sort love. of thing. Interesting. And yeah. I feel like the way they ramp up Smithers and eventually, you know, make him in love with Mr. Burns and make him gay, mm. it took them a very long time for that to stop being, like, a joke. Oh, <laughs> so, so long. Like, literally... 27 seasons yeah. or take for them to sort of stop doing that but at this very early point i kind of think like they reached that point because they pushed this character very far down yeah. this path 
and eventually decide that's like the logical way to take it and then yeah. there's some funny stuff but it's also you know yeah probably i think once we get to these later episodes we will find some problems with all of this i imagine we will as we tend to do but uh in this one harry Shear, fucking great absolutely killing it great episode good episode does he record burns and smithers simultaneously uh, or does he have someone else reading the Burns lines and then they edit them out and he does the like all he does a chunk of Smithers and then a chunk of Burns? Do we chunk know? of Smithers, chunk of Burns. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But I do like the phrase "chunk of Smithers." Chunk of Smithers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. Uh. Cool. I've got an insult watch. Insult watch. Oh, it's been a while since we've had one of these. It has been. Uh. This one. So. The other ones that I've noted, mm. uh, Lunkhead, Lunk- Dingpot, things yep. like that, uh, those are all quite simple. This one's a compound insult. Compound insult. When Burns refers to the Ghost Rider as a bargain basement Baudelaire. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> that is good. That is good. So, but when does he um, when does he insult somebody's compound? No, I didn't mean that kind of compound insult, James, you big silly billy. Um, I meant... <laughs> A, a compound because it's not one word; it's three words. Yeah, but it's three words about a compound, right? I don't think it's about someone's compound. Okay, but um, but you know, if someone was a second-rate explorer, you could call them a bargain basement Bodan. Okay, Nicholas Bodan. Nicholas Bodan. If you're listening, do you think Nicholas Bodan is listening? I don't think so. I think he's quite dead. Okay. Hey, Nick. Yeah, man. Who is Nicholas Bodin? He was one of the explorers. One of the he was a French explorer that uh, uh, remember that story about the history of the way South Australia was discovered, where there was like a French a French explorer and an English explorer. And is this a joke you're telling right now? No, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not so remember that? This remember French that? and this English explorer walk into Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they sail into Encounter Bay, which is sure. actually where they met. Uh, is this an episode of Adelol? Is this right. what you're doing right now? <laughs> um, uh, uh, maybe. Okay. I could pitch it to them. Shout out to those guys if they're hey. listening. Hey, Dan. Hey, Tom. Um, this is Nick, by the way. Um, this is James. Yeah, no, Nicholas Baudin was the French explorer that, um, and France and England were at war at the time, but these two explorers, according to the law of the sea, they weren't at war, so they traded According to the law of the sea? The law of the sea, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to use blue language on a podcast, but I'm sure you can imagine what sea word I mean. <laughs> yeah, maritime. Yeah, ma- yeah, 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 yeah no So you could call someone a bargain basement Baudin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pleased I remembered Encounter Bay, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's... Clearly the bay in which they had the encounter. But anyway. If you encountered Bay, what would you say to her? Uh, B-A-E. Sorry, I thought you meant B-A-Y, like a bay leaf. No, I meant Beyonce. Oh, Queen Bee. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I'd, I, I'm i not into the Beyonce. I'd just be like, hey, what's up? So, wait, but if you're not into her, why would you even say that? Just leave her alone, you pig. Oh. Fuck, Jesus. <laughs> no, I mean, it depends. I, it, you know, if we bumped into each other on a train, then I'm not just going to ignore someone. That makes me a jerk. I'll bump into them and then be like, oh, sorry. Oh, hey. And then hey, keep Beyonce, walking. if your music was my thing, I'd be into it. That's what you would say. Yeah, that's what I would say. And I would say to her, hey, I, I, like, I liked that, um, that the lemonade. And she'd say, oh, that's really nice. Nobody ever talks about that album or says that they like it. You know, in the last episode... Mm. Bart was selling lemonade to try and raise money. That's true. Much like Beyonce put lemonade on Tidal 
to try to make money. Is title still running? I believe it is. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Shout out to Jay-Z if you're listening. Yep. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Jay. Nick, by the way. Yeah, this is James. Uh, your music's fine. Uh, more of a Kanye guy myself. I know I- you two are feuding at the moment. I like to imagine that Jay-Z uh, spent the first, like, 30-something years of his life with the letters J. Mm-hmm. Z. Yeah. And then he went back to uh, the place where his mother used to live and found a mural that she painted and then discovered that his first name was Jay. Yeah. And Jay. after that, he only had 98 problems left. Oh. <laughs> uh. So that's been uh, Jay-Z chat. Yep. <laughs> well, we didn't really cover much, but we, uh, neither of us are that familiar with Jay-Z. Watch The Throne. Great album. Is there a, um, is there a video game where... <laughs> Is there a video game where you get dropped in a world that's overrun by the undead Jay Zs, and it's a t- it's a survival video game, and it's called Day Jay Z? <laughs> no, okay. I feel bad for you, son. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so uh, Lisa's flashcards in Blood Feud, where she's teaching Maggie. Uh, things and yep. how to recognize and them. A zebu has a hump in a doolap. Hump and doolap. A dodecahedron. Well, yeah, the, legitimately, I think that the only reason I know what a dodecahedron is is because of this episode. <laughs> and I seem to remember there was a time in school when I pointed at something and I was like, that's a dodecahedron. Yeah. And the person next to me said, how do you know that? And I was like, The Simpsons. Check out that doolap. Check out the doolap, <laughs> the sweet doolap. Check on out that- the doolap on that zebu. <laughs> <laughs> on that sweet dodecahedron. Huh, so, I feel like we haven't talked about this episode that much, but Mr. Burns gets blood from Little Barty Boy. Yes. Uh, Homer promises Bart that he will get a lot of riches thanks to the parable of Hercules and the Lion. Yes. Did we look that up? Did we figure out what the uh-huh. story of Hercules and the Lion was? I haven't looked it up. Because Homer's version right is that the lion has a thorn in its paw, Hercules removes it, and then the lion showers him with riches. Because back in the Bible times... Lions were very wealthy. This is going to be another David and Goliath situation where it turns out, if, you, if you're if you not aware of David and Goliath, go back and listen to episode five, I think, where we break down the, uh, the controversial hidden message of David and Goliath. Okay. So, uh, firstly, we need to introduce the concept of the Nemean lion. Okay. Uh, it was a legendary creature in Greek mythology that ravaged the area of Nemea. Its fur was impenetrable by the weapons of humans, and hence was unstoppable. Uh, 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 slaying the Nemean... I'm reading from GreekMythology.com, by the way. Slaying the Nemean lion was the first task that King Eurystheus... Sure. Uh, ...who then went on to team up with Annie Lemox to become the Eurythmic... <laughs> um, ...asked of the demigod Heracles. Wait, this is about Heracles, not Hercules. Oh, no. I searched Hercules and it redirected me to Heracles. Are they the same figure? Are they the same? I think they might be. What was the name of the lion that Hercules killed? Nemea. But that goes back to Heracles. Yeah. I feel like this is the same figure. Okay, so I'll go... Okay, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I didn't know. I got very freaked out. (laughs) Um... One version of this tale has it that the lion kidnapped women from Nemea and kept them in its lair to lure the warriors. When the brave warrior would see a woman, she would turn into a lion and kill him. What? So, 
the Nemean lion would hoard townsfolk, mm. specifically the women townsfolk, and then when a, a warrior rocks up going, I'm going to kill this fucking lion, the woman that was kidnapped turns into a lion and kills her would-be saviour. Huh. So That's harsh. To flip that into perspective on another story, that would be like when Prince Charming arrives to save uh, uh, Snow White, sure. she turns into a poisonous apple and kills him. Into a poisonous apple. Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Or that would be like Rapunzel turning into an unnaturally large amount of hair and Which hairing kind the guy. Which does. That's yeah. what happens in Rapunzel. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, Heracles tracked down the lion and tried to kill it by shooting ar- arrows. He realised, though, that that was of no use because of its impenetrable fur. Well, I mean, that's a core part of the myth of the Nemean lion. Come on, Heracles Come slash Hercules. Um he waited until the lion entered its lair. He then blocked off the other entrance. He managed to kill the lion by strangling it with its bare hands. Huh, okay. He then tried to remove the skin, but was unable to cut it because his knife couldn't penetrate the fur. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you'll face that problem if you try to skin a lion. After a lot of effort, the goddess Athena decided to help him and told him to use one of the lion's claws to skin the creature. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I would say that that's a parable to say that you should use someone's strength against them and turn it into a weakness, but at this point the lion was already dead, mm. so that's really six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah, it's almost what happens in this episode. Heracles. In that Burns gets the blood and then almost has Homer beaten to a pulp. Yeah, removing Homer's blood. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, uh, a lot of this episode hey, is- Hey, a bloodline's- um, surely, if Bart has double O negative, mm. I have no idea how blood types. Okay, work. what you're about to say is not right. Bloodlines, blood is not hereditary like that. Okay, blood cool. type is not hereditary. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, like you wouldn't have rare blood types. Oh well, I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, okay. A lot of this episode is capering. <laughs> okay. That's what you the mean notes like I the, have here. There's a lot of capering in this episode. You mean like the, the salty, vinegary little buds that I like to put in pasta sauces? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Lot Good, of, they're uh, delicious. Yeah, a lot of sweet little pasta bits in this one. Sweet little pasta bits. There's uh, the whole thing about writing the letter and then mailing the letter and then the quest to retrieve the letter. Uh, letter yes. Is just solid bud and homer, japery capering. That is good. That is, and good. I enjoy it a great deal. It uh, is very funny. Writing very the, fun. Writing the letter is a lovely, sweet bonding moment. Yep. And then trying to get the letter out is just oh, laughs for days. I've just realised I've missed a very important note. I would oh. like to rewind super rewind. When Mister Burns has got the blood and he's running around talking to everyone, he runs up to Lenny and says, "It's you, Mister Brown Shoes." How about that local sports team? Sure. Now, the Simpsons didn't realize how powerful they were back then, I suppose. Mm. Mr. Burns speaks this line, and discourse around sport is ruined forever. Literally forever. <laughs> it is. It's been, it's been, well, like 26 years since this episode. Uh, one week, I think, is, <laughs> yeah, the, is, one, is, is the canon length of time. Yeah, one week since- uh, You looked at me. That show about- Two guys that go on a pizza place. No, what was what did we talk about in the previous episode that we recorded like two hours ago? Yeah, it's been 
one week since that ep about oh uh oh, the sorry. giant catfish and the yeah. problems they couldn't work out okay i'm not gonna and do this it's been one week since mr bergstrom yeah it's been one uh, week since bergstrom left uh, Lisa standing at the train station bereft. Bereft. I was gonna rhyme with bereft as well. Yeah, yep. we'll work on it. This will be for our album that we put out. Oh, songs in the key of Springfield. Yeah, that's a great name for it. <laughs> songs in the key of pods in the key of Springfield. <laughs> Why is every song just a parody of one week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Ben. <laughs> Scott Ackerman, if you're listening. Uh, hey, Nong man. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, hey, we're both wearing podcast shirts today, by Yeah, the way. I'm wearing my Hey Nong Man shirt. I'm wearing a Tofop shirt. It's just, all happening. Just in case anyone doubts our, potential, uh, our credentials <laughs> as podcast fans. Our dedication what? to much, much more popular podcasts than, than ours. Mind. So, uh, yes, Mr. Burns, we're own sporting discourse forever. Mm. We know every time somebody doesn't like sports very much, they trot out this line. Mm-hmm. feel like I've been guilty of doing it in the past. In the past, I have it too. It became very, very passe, but Do you reckon he also it. came up with sports ball? Sports ball? Mm, as a derogatory term? Mm, maybe. Would you keep an eye Maybe egg flip Burnsy came Ooh, up with fuck. it. Egg flip Burnsy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't want to Burnsy your egg flip. No, you want to be careful. Another interesting thing is when they're writing the letter, and then eventually Mr. Burns reads the letter, The Simpsons discovered... How poorly sarcasm translates to text. Mm. Well before the internet made us all realize that yes. it doesn't work. Long before the invention of emojis. Yeah. It or doesn't. emoticons. Or emoticons, sure. Well, I feel like emoticons There is been... a distinction. There's definitely a distinction. Yeah, there yeah. is, and I feel yeah. like emoticons have been swept under the rug. I like emoticons. I like emoticons too. You can't... If you use them on Skype and they turn into the emojis, Skype emoji are bullshit monsters. Oh, uh, see, I never use Skype, but... Because the emojis are so awful? Yes. Yep. You're listening, Skype. Um, and uh, the emoticons were interesting because it's like, I always put a little hyphen nose in my smiley face. Heaps of people don't. They just go just colon... straight line? No, no, no. They just go colon bracket. Okay. I know heaps of people that just colon bracket, whereas I'm always colon hyphen bracket. Oh, yeah. I colon bracket. Ah, <sighs> See, I don't like that. But also, we we discovered this a couple of years ago. We never use emoticons in our text messages to each other. No, it's weird. It's like literally we, never. Yeah. I I use them in most other conversations. Yeah, I use colon P all the time. Oh, it's because you're never flirting with me, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. But colon P is part of my repertoire with several people. You mean Colin Powell, former U.S. <laughs> Secretary of State? <laughs> And you just start calling him Colin P. <laughs> Colin P in the Colin house. Colin P in the White House. Yeah, expressing uh, an emotion that's hard to pin down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sort of uh, light amusement. Light amusement. <laughs> Sticking your tongue out, but in a way that is somehow more natural than the actual action. Uh, well, that is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he sticks their tongue out in a regular conversation. Yeah, no one. It's awful. It's a no one. terrible and way of You know living. what? If someone did, I wouldn't take it as them showing off that they're being cheeky. Mm. I'd take it as like, hang on a minute. Do you need a blood transfusion? What's my blood type? Does anyone know? And then I'm sitting in the background going. And Trying then, to call your mum. <laughs> and then they're saying, but Nick, we need to know your blood type. And I'm there going, all I remember is that Revolver came out in 1966. <laughs> 
1966, the same year that the movie The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming came out, which is then parodied later in this episode. Oh, when the we Russians. see the store, the, the brushes. brushes are coming. The brushes are coming. That's good. I didn't know what that was a reference to. Is 1966 some sort of Simpsons uh, waypoint? Uh, maybe. What else happened that year? I say without looking into it. Okay, do, you me, do you want me to go to the Wikipedia page for 1966? Not really. We're pretty deep into the episode. Yeah. But I think you're going to do it anyway. So I'll, I'll have a quick flick to see if anything else interesting yeah, happens. We'll just, we'll just have a little look at 1966. Simpsons Waypoint Year 1966. Look for anything like nuclear that happened that year. Oh, okay. Events. Oh, God. <laughs> I hit events expecting it to be like a... Like, <laughs> was it just like revolver came out <laughs> no no no. it's literally like i've i've scrolled through three screens worth of text and we're only up to january 10 <laughs> brilliant it's a busy, busy 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 year i'm gonna do a quick search for nuclear a massive theft of nuclear materials is revealed in brazil on the 5th of march interesting okay on the 5th of october an experiment at the Enrico Fermi, Fermi nuclear generating station suffers, suffers a partial meltdown when its cooling system fails. Could and this be the point where the universe tears itself open? Maybe. And eggs pour out. <laughs> well, it's good to know you've taken my egg flip <laughs> omelette theory right on board and that you've understood... Everything that I was saying. Oh, uh, yeah, it's this. a subtle theory, but I think I've got the nuances. Um, so there's a bunch of eggs. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of eggs. I mean, that's pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty much covered it. That's why other characters keep saying, boy, this universe is cracked. Dot com. Dot com. Um, something I like in this episode is when they find. Can I go to the finding of the head? Oh, yeah, you just mentioned the store. So eventually yeah. they find. Extopal uh, upper kettle. Extopal upper kettle. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Smithers says, but sir, it's $32,000, which is a lot of money. Yes. Uh, and Burns responds with, don't you dare sully this moment with your price-taggery. Price-taggery. Fuck. I'd forgotten about that phrase until just now. Bugger hell, I love it. <laughs> I always like the implication in this episode that the family has no idea of the value of this head, which ends up in their basement, in their basement. for like... Nine seasons after this. Also, for some reason, I always assumed that Extapalopicatl was wood, but it's clearly said that it's stone. How did they get it down to the basement? I always thought it was some sort of ceramic sort of... Uh, yeah, interesting. Frabulous, grabulous, oh. zip, zip, zabulous figure. Is it is it hollow or solid? I'm pretty sure it's hollow. You see the cat sitting on top and there's a rim. Oh, okay. Well, a rim completely changes it then. But mm. uh, yeah, you're right, because they could sell that for $32,000 and they would be... Well, probably twenty five thousand. Realistically, you well, I mean, have a hard time finding a buyer. As, as soon as you drive it on the lot, as soon as you drive it out of the lot, it, it <laughs> depreciates by thirty percent. Um, he was the god of war. It's you know, he's mm. 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 and more evidence for your theory that Maggie's a genius mm. uh, because uh, she pulls up Lisa's flashcard that says Aztec, and she gets corrected to Olmec. But yeah, still, so- pretty good guess for a. For a, I disagree. Several I think this is old. an example of what a fucking idiot she is. Now she's fine. Seems I feel weird even saying that about a cartoon baby. A note I had on the previous episode, okay, actually that relates directly to what you just said is I was thinking about oh. it. There is very little Maggie in this entire season. Maggie is yeah, that's a really good point. Extraneous to the entire second season. 
That's interesting. In a way that is not really true of the first season, and I want to say not true of subsequent seasons. Huh. I feel like she's largely symbolic in this entire season. Mm. As just, you know, this is the modern nuclear family, 2.5 kids, and... Mm, uh, mm, mm. You know, she's not really a character in her own right. In the first season, she is, because she's up for, like, the the japery of the kids. Yeah, and she- You know, you she's know, helping to find the person who framed Krusty, she and she's start, untying the kids. No yeah. suit falling on her face. Yeah, and she's uh, making friends with bears. Yeah. This entire season, she does nothing. Yeah, she hasn't really done anything, has she? Yeah. Huh. Curious. I also really like that at the end, uh, Bart thinks he's being given a crowbar as a present. I think that's nice. That's a that nice little character nice. note. Uh, I guess we should jump to the end of this episode because I really like the way this episode ends mm. with the family sitting down and trying to figure out what the moral of the episode was. In a before, wonderful deconstruction of normal TV trope. Yes, before Homer concludes that I think Lisa says maybe there is no moral here and Homer says exactly... It's just a bunch of stuff that happened, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful line of television, sort of predating the Seinfeldian idea of a show about nothing. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to burst your bubble, but does this interpretation still hold as much appeal when you remember that we literally have a podcast where we spend an hour every week talking about this show in which Well, you this is what I wanted happens. to ask you, oh. in a way. What is the moral of this season of the podcast? Oh. Oh. Um, Well, I mean, the takeaway points are that Revolver was released in 1966. (laughs) Yep. Eleanor Rigby was one of the best songs on the album. One of the best songs on the album. Yep. Um, Same year that The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming came out. Yes, exactly. Also, important things to take away from this season are always remember that if you're ever at your at your lowest point and you feel like there are no life rafts to uh, on which you can grab, remember to love the beast. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, uh, I would say don't uh, don't take your eye off Doctor Colossus. Important, very Something important. Definitely learning here. Very important. I'd say that we learned that sometimes a place, for instance, Springfield, can be a character in a show. I think uh, in episode 10 of Pods in the Key of Springfield, we learned that uh, I liked California games and that I have played Atari. Yep. Um, We learned that ultimately uh, the new season of Twin Peaks wasn't just about uh, the return of Cooper so much. It was uh, There was a lot more going on that I I got into this and don't want to spoil Twin Peaks the moment I start talking, but we learned a lot about hang on a minute, uh, the hang town on of minute. Twin Peaks and its now, place within society. We learned a lot about uh, nuclear energy as well and the effect it's had on David Lynch's understanding of what the world is. Okay, now, as you know, hmm. I haven't watched Twin Peaks, yep. but I've heard a little bit about it, and since you said it's the return of Cooper... Yep. Do you in fact mean Sheldon Cooper? Are we are you talking, talking about Young Sheldon right now? Are you talk- yeah. Is that is that the show that you're talking about? I mean, I've, I've heard great reviews of Young Sheldon. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that in there. Uh, uh, Young Sheldon is part of Twin Peaks. Right. Okay. Cool. He he does this little dance and he talks backwards. Are fans of David Lynch called the Lynch Mob? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, that'd be awful. Yeah, it's just the worst. Uh, we learned that sometimes family 
isn't just uh, the people with the same blood as you, although sometimes you need to give your blood to the people who you would maybe consider family by extension. Maybe, for instance, the seventh Simpson. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We learned that Danny DeVito fucking rules, and that uh, we also learned that- James L. Jones rules. Yeah, James L. Jones. And fucking rocks. And the Raven's good. Yep. And Sorak the Preparer is wonderful. Yes. We learned all of these things and nothing else. That was it. Absolutely nothing else. That was everything. Okay. This has been episode uh, fuck, 19 of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Um, so I- um, just to conclude. Oh, yes. I'd like to thank you, the listener. Was that you say? Me thanking you? No, it's not a mistake. You see, I enjoyed doing this podcast. As much as you have enjoyed listening to it. So, in other words, not at all. Um, <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> no, that's fine. I like it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, God, I really made that sound like this is the last episode. We're going to keep going. We've got, like, literally hundreds of other episodes man, in the pipeline. I, I have to admit, I'm really not looking forward to the next episode because <laughs> so people may have heard our, our... Well, actually, no. On the statistics, no one's heard our least downloaded episode <laughs> where the wrap-up of the movie... Uh, we're going to do that again. Yep. That's actually um, not our least downloaded episode. Oh, isn't you know, it? No, that was. was doing okay. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, so it's been um, one week since you looked at me. Uh, so the next episode, we're going to listen, we're going to watch the movie again. So no, next episode, we're going to rank our top five. Oh, shit. Of yeah. the season. We're going to do it. Eat my shorts. And eat my shorts on the top five. Top five. Sweet. Yeah, uh, and then we're all, then after that we're going to do the movie. I'm not looking forward to it, but it should be fun. I'll try to make it as entertaining as like. Yeah, we'll uh, figure something out. We'll make it good. Uh, I've been Nick, by the way. My uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Ibis, and I've been the other guy on the podcast, uh, James. I am Jikel J I C K L E. We're on, on Twitter, Twitter at we're on Twitter at Key Springfield. Yeah, we're on Facebook Pods in the Key of Springfield. I mean, you could email us if you wanted to. Yeah, pods, pods in the Key of Springfield, Springfield at gmail.com. Gmail. I, I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Yep, but that's fine. Um, and um, I've got a quote to end the episode of you. Uh, I already did mine. Oh, I was just going to say, will there ever be a rainbow, Nick? Yeah, man. Will there ever be a rainbow? Don't know. What about like if it rains and then... You know, one of my favorite things I once saw on Facebook <laughs> was um, a, a a picture put up by a very, very Christian friend of mine. Sure. Uh, and it was a picture of a sunset over a beach and there was a rainbow in it as well. And uh, the caption for this photo said... Uh, Creation, not chance, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, creation, not chance. Mm. And then there was a comment under it that said, actually, Photoshop, because to see a rainbow, the sun needs to be behind you, not in front of you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a good burn. Man, I've, al- I've always been bothered by this whole idea of rainbows as a proof of creation, even though it is in the Bible, but it's... Uh... Just, you know, when people look at them and say, you know, something this beautiful could not possibly happen by chance and must have been created, but our concept of aesthetic beauties is just purely arbitrary. We've just decided this is what is beautiful yeah. and it's been passed down and this is like a, it's a decision we've made to consider this beautiful. Yeah. And that's not proof of anything. No, no, no. So this has been Pods in the Key of Springfield. It's been Pods in the Key of Springfield. Uh, me thanking uh, you? Uh, no, it was good for me as well. 
Okay. Uh, bye. In Springfield. <laughs>authentic curry is kind of more about the sauce than the yes thing in it quite often that is true just yes. like pasta yes so this has been an episode of curry chat we had two curry white chat. men yes <laughs> this has been our uh our delving into the packet curries that we're okay at making yeah Sorry, that didn't. I didn't mean that to sound dismissive. That was a really nice dinner. No, <laughs> just uh, no. They, both of them came. I was out. thinking more of myself, even though I know you did use a packet. But still, both of those curries did come. What one came out of a jar? One came out of a packet. Not bad for canned soup, eh? Uh, you remember that ad? The soup ad was that. Was that an ad that had comedian Fiona and Lachlan in it? Seems like a possibility. There was a, a line of ads where, no, that was Fiona cooking for her, like, six children. Sure. Um, not bad for canned soup. Wasn't that one where someone, like, very hoity-toity parents? Yeah. And then- This is just delicious something or another. Yeah, not bad for canned soup, eh? You motherfucker, you served us canned soup. And you think that you can marry our daughter? Mm. Celeste, you're coming with us. Celeste. Something like Celeste. Celeste is a pretty good name. Yeah.